I could murder a cup of tea. Yorkshire gold, if you have it. Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 79 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder this episode are Head of Health and Station, try that one again, Head of Health and Safety here at Lave Station, Mr. Ben Moss-Woodward. Good evening, am I still here? Is this working anymore? Are we have technical Yeah, you're things? still here. No, the gremlins haven't got you this time. So far. Uh, we, so far. We've also got the, the chief bar steward here at Lave Station, Mr. Grant Psychokel Walcott. It's okay, I've pressed the buttons this week, I've pressed all the right buttons this week, it's all good. Hello, good evening and welcome. Good evening, it's all about pressing the right buttons, mate, isn't it? it is all but the not necessarily buttons. in the right order. <laughs> you know, just got to find out what you beat me to it. <laughs> oh dear, chipping in nicely there, we've got head of station archives, Mr. Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. And finally, in manning his rear, we have the wonderful head of station operations, Mr. Jonathan Stabler. Jonathan? Only my mother calls me Jonathan. Why do you keep on doing this? <laughs> I know, because I can't make any Welsh jokes, so therefore I had to find something to needle you with. What did you say he was doing to his rear? Coming up his rear, rear. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like is okay. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's kick off. If you want to join us, you can. Uh, we are hanging outside Lave Station in the beta version of Elite Dangerous this evening, and I believe Grant and Colin, you're also going to be CQCing on the Xbox this evening. Is that right? We are attempting to do so because, of course, tonight is one of the Mayhem events, and it has been all day. It has been <gasps> Fight Night CQC Xbox One. And so we are going to get in there and get some action. Holy crap, okay. I just got some. Did you? Excellent. Sorry. And what is your, um, what's your handles, guys, in games, just so that people can recognise you when they're playing? When they're shooting uh, well, at the sky, yeah. Uh, well, my handle's obviously Phoenix to Fire, so I've just been whacked straight into a CQC Championship match, which is... This is the f- oh, and the, this Mr. Cow. I can Yay. see you as well. Oh, God, there's a level set. Okay, so you guys are being matched together. That's awesome. Uh, give us an update as you go on, see how you guys are getting on with, uh, with CQC. Uh, we can also be found on the IRC chat channel, which is uh, on the Lave Radio Live. So if you go to laveradio.com forward slash live and join the Quake chat channel on there, uh, we will talk to you as we go through the show. And if you've got any questions throughout the show, you can tweet us, you can send them to us on Facebook, or you can just throw them into the chat channel and we'll try and get to them towards the end of the show. Uh, before we go any further, let's wait, find wait, out... Wait, wait, i got an announcement. i got an announcement oh, hello, go also. 
Yeah, um, I'm actually in open in the normal game for people who don't have beta access. Because I haven't downloaded it. So I've actually got a few tons of Levian brandy, which I'm going to share outside the station. Excellent. Brant, I do believe you're bleeding your sound from CQC onto the main show. Mute, please. Okay, well, we'll just put up with that for the time being. Uh, excellent. Okay, well, John, why don't you tell us what you've been up to this week? <laughs> well, I haven't. I know I haven't been on the the show for a while. Um, you know, various things have stopped me from doing it. In fact, I haven't been on the show with you, Fozza, for it seems like ages. It seems like we were kind of. I was covering you whenever you couldn't be on, and so yeah, it just seems like forever. Um, but for people who don't know, uh, me and Chris Jarvis have been running the Chaos Champs Twitch stream, where once a week on Wednesday evenings at nine PM, we. Um, we stream a match uh, live um, from various people in the Chaos Reborn community. <clears throat> and last week was exceptionally good because we actually had Julian Gollop as one of the competitors. Um, so I've been kind of focusing on getting that up and going and running and, and uh, ironing out a few bugs uh, in the streaming software. Uh, apart so from that, if people wanted to go and see that match, is it archived on uh, Chaos Champs on Twitch? It is, yeah. Just go to twitch.tv slash chaoschamps, all one word, and you will find the archive of our old games on there, um, our old streams. Uh, and also, we used a one-minute turn timer last last week, and it made for a very frantic and very e-sporty kind of experience. So I would I highly recommend watching Julian versus Oz. It was uh, pretty cool. And, if and how, just, without giving any spoilers away, how was the legend Mr. Gollop himself? Well, I'll I'll say this much. It was very interesting. Uh, Mr. Gollop was surprised by some tactics, uh, and it was a close-run game. In fact, um, it was such a frantic experience that we played best of five instead of best of three like we normally do. Wow. Yeah, it's well worth a watch. And just to let people know, if you are interested in Kelsey Born, it's currently 25% off on Steam at the moment. Great stuff. Now, we know Julian has a history of always casting his first animals as uh, as illusions. Was he uh, true to form? Um, I don't know. I don't think Oz disbelieved, um, because he had his own game plan, which he was focusing on, um, and I, he didn't want to take the time to disbelieve. But you will understand that if you watch the stream, because it, it was just unbelievable to watch. It was, so, it was such a tense and aggressive matchup. Um, that you probably haven't seen anything like it. If you watch previous Twitch streams, you'd have seen people taking 25 turns and drawing matches and stuff like that. So uh, mm. definitely worth a watch. Oh, definitely should do that. Um, ben, what have you been up to for the last week? Obviously not getting your microphone fixed. We've lost Ben. Let's go to Colin. What have you been up to? Well, most of the time I've been uh, I've been practicing for my new karate grading, which is 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 very very sore for someone of my age. And uh, apart from that, um, joining in oh, I've just been totaled in CQC by by somebody else. Um, apart from that, it's been preparing the uh, miniatures game. Uh, I do have a, a set of models are arriving uh, tomorrow, hopefully or later this week, which I'm going to start painting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, and in-game, I'm involved in uh, the Emperor's Dawn uh, community goal, where we're, we're, we've got to hunt down the cells of the uh, Emperor's Dawn, because apparently they assassinated the Emperor. 
Interesting. Uh, just a quick question from the, the chat stream. What style of karate is it? It's uh, Hasha, which is based on Shotokan. Right. That made no sense to me. What colour are you? I am a brown belt at the moment. I'll be going for my brown and white grading. And that means that if I get that, I've only got another couple of belts to go for black. So. Mm. Ah, it's because uh, Commander Baptista is only asking because he holds a second Dan in Shokotan. Oh, well, lucky him then. He's a lot better <laughs> than I am. <laughs> he will right, certainly so just... kick my bottom, put it that way. <laughs> Cool. And the, the miniatures, I'm assuming that we can all get a chance to play this game at uh, Fantasticon. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm planning to bring it along, and um, uh, I've got a tournament planned. I've got, I'm planning out scenarios at the moment, and uh, I just managed to get the, the final manoeuvres prepared, because every ship will have their own set of manoeuvres, which only they will be able to execute. Uh, and I'm now, at the moment, designing new pilot cards, so that... Uh, there will be certain people who will who will make guest appearances as pilots in this in this game, inspired by Mr. Stroud's away team. Interesting. Ooh, looking forward to that. Uh, Mr. Psycho Cow, what have you been up to for the last week? Well, goodness gracious me, I've been involved in a ton of things since last week, actually. A lot more hut and orbital. We're trying to arrange some convoys, uh, some CQC battles. Uh, we've got a big one. Thursday night where we are trying to arrange a quick CQC battle between our f- top four pilots and uh, against Code who will be putting a wee team in as well um, all prior to our massive grudge battle on the 3rd of October in Beta where we are having essentially a pirate versus trucker standoff uh, we've just heard that the system we'll be fighting in is Wolf 359 uh, which there are two systems two stations, we're claiming one for our base they're claiming one for their base and we're going to meet in a conflict zone, duking it out just to sort of mark the end of the beta and to show these goddamn code pirates who's boss. Uh, we'll be uh, turning up in Cobra Mark 3s, they will be turning up in um, Vipers. That is the uh, the agreed terms of combat. It's a little bit West Side Story, it really is. It's which side do you want to fight for? Pick your ship and turn up, fight for that side, and let's get it on in the beta and have some fun. And that's what it's about. We've done um, quite a few different um, podcasts and things this week from Hutton Orbital. With uh, we've had some amazing song submissions. We, oh, it's just crazy. We were also confirmed to that Hutton Orbital truckers will now be an in-game group. Which really? Is, awesome. Which is awesome. Um, and as a result of the success and in recognition of the work that we put in to the Hutton Orbital Community Goal, they've even granted us uh, top tier. Really? Okay, so for those people that haven't been following the whole sort of player factions and, and groups, give people a little bit of background about what that's actually going to mean in-game. Well, we're not. nobody's really entirely sure what it means in-game yet, but we're all really excited to find out. But essentially it is nailing your colours to your mast, having your little sub-faction against your name. So, for example, when you go and you see an NPC and they're a member of the Lavian Green Party or the Beldacri Brothers, who are a pirate organisation, you now will be able to say, oh, look, there's Psycho Cow, he is a member of the Hutton Truckers. And if your faction and your group is against us, then you're 
you're legitimately able to take it out. And in the long term, if we do, you know, work hard and work well at promoting the powers of our group, uh, we could actually promote ourselves into a power situation, therefore bringing our kind of idealisms to the systems that we control. So it's all about the long game. It's all about that small um, meta game and playing the systems and protecting your system from enemies. And it's quite interesting. But for us, it's more a case of being able to establish more community events or that we've got planned coming up and just kind of having that mark to say, you know what, we are something in-game, therefore we're not just making this up from the sidelines. And uh, we had a meeting, actually, which was it was rather short notice for us. They said, would you like to come and have a chat with uh, a number of the other uh, Triple Elite Group's uh, leaders? so that we can discuss you know, things coming up and events for this particular Mayhem uh, week. So that was awesome. It was like a wee summit and throwing ideas at each other and you know, being able to create player content around the game, but with Elite there to sort of have some involvement as well and possibly assist and promotion. And yeah, it's, it's, I think you know, we're, we're entering a very positive time for the Elite game. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Oh, that and the usual stuff, you know, editing and try. Well, I've not done much in the way of Docker's episode one, season two, but I have now. I'm waiting for one last part, which is uh, we were looking for some volunteers for, um, which is Mrs. Brubin, because uh, we we were a bit short on um, suitable female parts, but um, hopefully we have got that covered by doing something rather unique and funny. So hopefully it'll work out. Have we lost Fozza? I don't know. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too busy getting my backside kicked at this game. Yeah, it is, it's tricky tonight, isn't it? Just so we're, we are playing CQC, and I have to say, I miss my hot-ass controller badly for this. It is... Oh. Uh, that's the other yeah. thing, of course, what I've been doing as well. Um, is Ben back? Has Ben appeared? Are you there, Ben? No, it's just it's just us chickens. That's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> should we... Should we get on with some stuff then yeah let's go on what's our first part of the topic you, you, this is a problem John you're going to have to read it out because Colin and I are deep in battle oh come on <laughs> I said this week that you know I um, unfortunately I, I'm really happy tonight I'm actually able to be in game because I haven't had the time to play it uh, and I said I haven't had time to read any news so but now you've got me reading the news well no 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 Just what is it well Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tee you up, okay, and then you just talk about it, alright? Right. So, um, obviously, the first one is, um, uh, the first one on my list is iDigital Times. They were discussing a PAX interview with developers um, at their PAX Prime booth, uh, and a couple. apparently there was a couple of nuggets of information about uh, the upcoming Elite Dangerous Horizons. Mm-hmm. So, was there anything in this that excited you guys? Well, no, not particularly, um, because it was just kind of like a lot of the, the information had been covered, but I think this is the one where they kind of mentioned crews, isn't it? A little yeah. crew word snuck out, and we, oh, everybody went, oh, hi, crews, really? Oh, fantastic. And then, of course, the next question is, it was purely just a mention, and there was no detail in it at all. So <laughs> it was really one of these mouth-watering tidbits, but um, I know Ben definitely was had some points to be to be raising uh, about this um, but oh he had some speculation did he he did yeah but unfortunately of course he's not here he has oh. disappeared off the call so he had some points he wanted to raise 
Uh, I'm just going to go and kill Colin, and then I'm going to go and jump over to the notes. So, if you bear with me. Yeah, I, I'm just looking ah. at the um, the Skype chat here, and it would seem that um, the problem is not with Skype. I don't know if anyone was aware that Skype failed pretty much for the whole world yesterday. Um, yeah, that that was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm glad they did it on a Tuesday rather than a Wednesday. Uh, but it's not a Skype problem. They've both apparently got broadband issues. So I don't know what their provider is. Um, I, I thought Fozzer was with BT. Um, I don't have any issues, so maybe it's just local to them. So we've got no host, so I'm going to have to step into his boots. Which seems to happen quite a lot, I guess. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, the people who are watching on the twitch.tv forward slash live radio, we're just going to postpone that, uh, leave myself a bit stationary for now, and we'll go and focus on the show notes, and uh, when Fuzzle returns, which hopefully he will do soon, we can resume uh, the action, but, you know, at the moment I'll just sit there and die. It gives Colin a chance to equalise his score a little bit, because that's 1-0 so far, Colin. Uh, yeah, well, all right then, fair enough. <laughs> So, so yes, yeah, so yeah. I don't think there was a lot coming out of this apart from just the word crew, which got re- everyone really excited. There was no indication whether it was going to be, um, you know, uh, AI crew that you'll be able to hire or whether it's actually going to be multiplayer crew, which is something people were screaming about even way back in the Kickstarter days. So... I don't know, maybe more information soon? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's that whole excitement factor. I mean, you've got Horizons... You've got Horizons on the horizon. And um, the concept of jumping into your anaconda with uh, a group of friends is just... Oh, you know, it's got that wonderful kind of feel. It's kind of like, yeah, do you fancy a lift? Right, come on, I'll take you out to Hot Robert to drop you off when you haven't got any ships there and leave you. <laughs> you know, there's all this kind of stuff that you would love to be able to do just for the sort of sheer fun of it. Um, but then again, what benefit can having extra crew members... We should sort of, you know, just take a guess at what benefits having those crew members in your anaconda would bring. Well, someone better handling the other guns, I suppose. But this, I mean, you, you you can do that on your own, if you know what I mean. So there's no uh, immediate or clear benefit as to why that would be worth the effort to get the kind of, you know, crews involved. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I always look forward to was, um, uh, you know, ships within ships. You know, I know it's not quite crew, but it's something that I expected to see a lot yeah. sooner because you now you've got big ships like the Anaconda, and then we're going to start seeing the Corvettes, which are meant to be very large and capable of carrying small, you know, sidewinders and smaller ships. Perhaps that's something we might see. Well, I thought that I thought the Anaconda uh, has got a has got a bay for uh, sidewinders anyway. It's just they haven't implemented it yet. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering that now they're going to have a lot more of these large ships that are capable of carrying uh, smaller fighters, whether they might actually finally implement it. So, um, okay, well, I tell you what, we'll we'll kind of move on with the news, because that was the only reveal there, but the, the, the one thing that has come out, and this has surprised me, is that the ship's release is going to be the same date as Horizons. Now, this was revealed in the dev update on the 17th of September. Now, was this a shock to you guys? Um, yes and no, because I thought they'd have a, a kind of separate thing for ships, uh, and and then really play up the horizons at a separate point. Um, 
I mean, I guess it's, it's just one big whole package to look forward to, I suppose. Um, I think 1.4 has... Uh, I've got nothing to base this on, but it feels like 1.4 has taken a lot longer to put, to put together than 1.3 did. So they've probably been pushing stuff back to the, to such a point where it's got to be all left at one go. Yeah, because I, I assumed that the 1.5 ships was going to be a way to kind of tide them over until they, they finally released the Horizons. But I know, for all we know, simply, you know, the programmers are, are several steps ahead of the artists, I guess. And so the, the two dates just collided. So that, that's some interesting news. Because um, yeah, I think we all thought there was going to be a 1.5, which was going to be ships. Yeah. But... No, I don't see it being a big problem, but you know, it could be quite interesting. It's, it's exciting. I mean, I think I am particularly I'm waiting for the the Panther Clipper. Okay. Well, we'll talk well, about the ships now. What is the date for Horizons? Did have they firmed up a date now? They haven't actually. No, have they? Uh, we're just it's assuming that it'll be about a year. So, you know, the sort of sixteenth uh, of December, like it was for the the release of the full game last time. That's just an assumption. Okay, okay, because I've heard people mentioning October, but that, that's, that's no. far too soon, isn't it? No, October the 6th is the release date for the Xbox and the official release date for 1.4. So um, that's, you, you can't see them doing Horizons at the end of October. Mm, no, definitely. Yeah, well, um, I think, yeah, it's got to be, as they say, sort of towards the end of the year. Again, it could be a uh, sort of late December, early January release for Horizons, um, depending on, yeah, whether, whether or not they are ready before Christmas. I'm sure if they can get it out before Christmas, they would push it out for Christmas, because that would be just absolutely devastating to our families. <laughs> can we open They're the presents you to be No, no, wait, yeah. I'm just going to get my buggy. <laughs> Yoo-hoo. Yeah, um, maybe this Christmas will be the Christmas I finally get an Oculus Rift because I've been promising myself it for two years now because um, it always seems to be, you know, on the horizon. Um, I don't suppose anyone's heard about that because the last I heard, uh, they, you know, since Facebook took over, they said it's, they're going to take orders at Christmas time and deliver it early in the new year. Yeah, um I always got told um, first quarter 2016. I didn't know whether or not that's actually the delivery dates or whether or not they're actually taking the money for it. Yeah, I I think... um, I do seem to remember them saying they were going to open up the pre-orders before Christmas. So it's it's a way for you to kind of get your... or significant to, you know, give you a Christmas present if they haven't got any other ideas, I guess. (laughs) I hope that's the case. Um, okay, I'm going to move on. Uh, oh, let's talk about the ships now, because that's something that has been revealed, although, unfortunately, again, there's not a lot of detail. Um, the ships that they've announced, Imperial Cutter, Asp Scout, and Viper Mark IV. Um, so I, I'm getting confused with all these Imperial ships now, because Cutter and Clipper, you know, like they keep on... It sounds the same to me when someone just says one of them. Um, yeah, boy. Well, this is the thing. I mean, the Imperial Cutter, uh, they've had made no... Um, they've made no... Uh, there's no pictures of it anywhere. Uh, they just know it's a, an Imperial ship. But is it a big Imperial ship? 
to to match something like the Corvette, or or is it just an, um, something that um, will replace what everyone wants in the Imperial Courier, which didn't, which I think a lot of people from the old Frontier day, days uh, felt a little underwhelmed with. Yeah, I mean, if you look at you know um, the cutter as in the boat, that's a, a small, small, very small boat. So, you know, if they're actually sticking with this kind of sailing terminology, then is is it going to be like a small fighter? You know, bigger than the Imperial uh, fighter. Is there a proper name for the Imperial fighter? I'm not sure. Oh, that was that's the. I think it's called the Hunter, but okay. um, but I don't think there's anything official. All I know is that they blow up very easily. Yeah. So um, I haven't seen many of them in game. In fact, I don't think I've seen one of them. They just seen, are they just around space? Um, defending space stations. Defending space stations and involved in conflict zones, as I've been finding out in uh, uh, at, at uh, the Emperor's Dawn thing. There does seem to be um, a few of those that come in with the big ships. It's probably because I'm an Imperial and I go and fight in federal areas, so... That's probably ah, but this why. is an Imperial civil war, mate. You can come down and start shooting other Imperials without worry. I might have to do that, I, actually. But I, that would mean shooting you, wouldn't it? Uh, not if we're on the same side. Oh, okay, fine. All right, well, that interests me. Um, okay, so now we've got the whole um, Scout and Explorer thing going on. So we had the Asp Explorer, then we had the... Um, Oh, what's it called? The Diamondback uh, Explorer and the Diamondback Scout. Now we have an Asp Scout. So I take it that's going to be an Asp which is suited a bit more to um, a bit of combat, I guess, rather than the long distance. Would that interest you as a ship, as a concept? Um, well, it all depends on uh, how much firepower it actually has. The Asp is, is a really nice heavy fighter as well as a good explorer. Although, admittedly, since uh, since the vultures come along, it's nowhere near as as potent as it was. Um, but I thought the whole point of the scout was that it had e- an even better range, or it, it was oh, okay, easy maybe. to go exploring with, which is a bit of a bit of a, a weird bit of one. A misnomer. Okay. Yeah. So um, fine. So. That doesn't necessarily interest everybody. Uh, but the Viper Mark IV, now this could be interesting um, from the point of view that I loved the original Viper. Yeah. Um, it was an excellent combat ship back in the days before we had things like um, uh, uh, like the Vulture, like you said. But I, the thing is about them, these small ships. I mean, yeah. for me, a Viper Mark IV could be something they could end up putting in CQC but I just can't see me trading in my Vulture for one. Well, you see, that's the thing. The Vulture seems to be the fighting ship, uh, the, the fighting small fighting ship that, that you want. And uh, nothing's come along which really um, beats it. And when you go into combat zones, you don't see much in the way of variety. It's all Vultures and, and Pythons, really. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, I hope they do, because I, I had so much fun in my Viper. I mean, it was so fast. You used to be able to catch it. There's nothing that was going to get away from you. And, you know, the weapons were that much better than an Eagle. That You know, it, it definitely had a role in combat. But, as I said, as soon as some of those bigger ships came up, um, 
kind of kind of got rid of the point of it really um, okay so uh, also mentioned in the dev update was the EGX panel um, do you know anything about this? Well, the EGX panel, um, they're doing a live broadcast on Friday uh, at 4 o'clock from EGX. Uh, and uh, they're hoping to have Michael Brooks, Sandro, uh, Chris Gregory there, maybe David Braben. Um, we're looking forward to have maybe some kind of uh, announcement, maybe about Horizons, maybe about other things. We don't know just at this moment in time. Uh, but it's probably something for everybody to put their... Um, uh, you know, to, to bookmark on the YouTube because it'll be broadcast via ch- Twitch and YouTube. But yeah, I uh, mean, we, we did have uh, Zach was saying earlier on that the EGX panel will talk about the new features to be expected in Horizon, so there's definitely going to be talk of the Horizons. And as you say, it's going to be in the EGX YouTube channel, but I believe that FD will be updating us all through the community website. So if you go to the Elite Dangerous website and keep an eye on there as well, if you're not watching the YouTube channel at EGX. So definitely, definitely Horizons talk, which is exciting. Okay, good tips then. So it's definitely worth tuning in for if you're interested in Horizons. Um, and they're offering an EGX paint job. How do you get one of those? Uh, we don't know yet, but I imagine if you're there and you go over to the Ambassadors and have a chat with the Frontier team, that you'll be able to get them there. Uh, failing that, unless they're doing some giveaways throughout the day or doing some streams. On, on the Twitch stream, yeah, yeah, like they did before. But probably okay. on Twitter. Oh, right, cool. Um, did you, on the last uh, streams that they did, they were offering prizes. Did anybody get anything out of that? No, Flossie did. Helen Lister, she managed to pick up a skin as well. So she won a... That was Gamescon when they did the week. Yeah, that was it. So she managed to win a a Gamescon skin and she was... Yeah, she was chuffed. (laughs) Really happy about it. But no one else got one. Mm. (laughs) Okay, no one we know will care about then. Fine. Yeah, Um, Karash was over there. He's not like he didn't... He couldn't have picked us up some, could he? No, he could have done... Okay, we don't want to go on another rant this week, all right, about how you haven't got anything. Um, Okay, one of the things that has popped up on the forums and something that I guess I'm going to talk about is the the battle rating that's been used in CQC. So you two are are playing CQC a lot. How do you feel that this battle rating um, translates into a feeling of progression for you guys? You're meaning the little, the little pips and things that um, essentially give you access to the next levels of ships and upgrades? Well, I, I guess it's... Uh, I don't know if it's, like, kind of hidden, um, but it's... Do you find that the matchmaking is working in such a way that you're, you, know, you are competing against people that are on your level, or do you find it very hit and miss? Um, well, you know, at the moment you are lucky if you get someone who is of a similar sort of skill levels. You know, you tend to find there's a lot of people that are in there with um, levels 20. So they've obviously played a lot more CQC. Um, but the skills matching, I've not yet seen any sort of evidence of it. Because I think, you know, at the moment the problem is number of players. So with a lack of players, you've kind of got to match matches irrespective of the abilities, otherwise you've got no matches, and if you've got no matches, you've got no matchmaking data, so <laughs> I think it's a bit of a catch-22, but I think it'll be interesting to see, because it is very clear when you go into a match against someone who's got 
good experience and control of the craft, not just the fact that I think the the hot ass um, controllers give people a significant improvement and a, an advantage over others, which is you know very noticeable now. Um, certainly, the way that I play. Do you think that um, could be something that's putting some people off then, if they, if they're going in with an Xbox controller and and they're getting completely owned by hot ass people? Do you think that's a factor? Um, I think to be honest, you know, if you if you've got a, a way that you like to play it. Um, and you're comfortable with that controller, you you get a real sense of control in this. It's a bit of excitement. It's kind of like high adrenaline flying. You can do your, you know, if you if you're a particularly skilled pilot, you can slam those brakes on and watch your enemy fly past you, take them out quickly. I've had a lot of games where it's been exciting. You know, I've been I've been carrying on, getting my shields just to come back on, and I'm sitting there with like three or four or five percent hull left, spin on the enemy and take him out, and it's just it's so exciting to do that. But if you're on an Xbox controller and you know it back to front. Everything's at your fingertips. You can sit right back, relax. And whereas you know us with hot asses and, and foot pedals and stuff, we're getting a bloody workout. <laughs> We've got breaking a sweat, trying to stay in your backside. And you're sitting there with your massive thumbs clicking your buttons like a, a an absolute maniac and taking out people. So I think it's whatever control you are comfortable with. Um, however, I would say that if you are on keyboard and mouse, it's maybe not the game for you. <laughs> That's completely true. Unless you happen uh, to have a massively long arm and a huge table that you've got your mouse on. Yeah, well, mm. I've, I've, I have decided to step away from CQC at the moment because basically I, it seems I can't multitask. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that either. In fact, I've got kicked out of the main game, so apologies to anybody who was actually outside of uh, Lave Station. I'm, I will try and get back in to say hello. Um, uh, just continue talking about this battle rating. So, basically, um, one of the the devs, and I will I will name check. Oh, it's Zach. Sorry, Zach uh, from the, um, the oh, what's his official title? Sorry, he's community community, community head, hencho, head, head of community head of community. Yeah. Yes. Um, so he he kind of went onto the forum to kind of explain how the battle rating works because there was a lot of questions about matchmaking because um, there was a lot of people who felt that. Um, they, you know, they were overpowered too easily. You know, when they were quite new, uh, and he revealed that it was basically it was uh, based on the Elo system, uh, which a lot of people might have heard of because of uh, it's used in chess. Mm. Um, but it's a system that's used in quite a few uh, competitive situations um, because it's a way of ranking people effectively, um, and it's it's a very handy way of uh, distributing skill across um, uh, across the spectrum. Uh, the only uh, drawback with it is that um, because of the way it works, um, so what happens is if you beat a player who has a higher rating than you, you will gain a lot of points. Um, you know, more so than beating someone with a lower rating than you. Um, and so it is this kind of self-correcting system, and it's a very useful way of, of gauging uh, people's skills, but it takes time for it to bed in. Um, and so what happens is if you don't have a lot of statistics, you know, everyone's going to come in at the middle with a kind of average score, and it's going to take time for people to drift to either end of the spectrum. And so I guess that's why we're seeing uh, in, the, in these early stages of CQC not great matchups. Um, you know, I mean, there are other ways of doing it, um, but I guess they're looking in the long term, and maybe Elo is better for the long term. 
Um, but obviously it's just been a, a, an issue of contention for some people. So, I mean, you guys, I mean, I know you said the problem is trying to find players on there, but has it been a positive experience for you? Or have you found yourselves in, in ridiculous matches where you don't stand a chance? Well, and the, uh, it depends on which version I'm playing. If I'm playing the Xbox like I am tonight, I am basically getting my bottom handed to me in a plate. Um, uh, but as far as the, when I've been playing it uh, on the PC version, I think my matchups have been pretty dead on my level. So, you know, I haven't been um, shoved in with a whole lot of people who, who don't know how to fly. But then again, I haven't been um, basically stuck with a whole lot of people which have, uh, which have uh, basically haven't given me the opportunity to play. Because that's what everybody's worried about, that they're scared of constantly uh, spawning in, bang, spawning in, bang. But I must admit, so far, that actually hasn't happened. Yeah, I, I mean... Say, sorry, we, we, we've done um, a lot of through the Hutton Orbital website and arranged uh, a couple of nights, as we've got a night on Thursday. But we did some CQC training last week, and it really was... Uh, oh, crikey, it was a Zaffod Beeble was taking some people through... CQC, so we created a squad of eight, launched Deathmatch, and he sat and he talked them through it on TeamSpeak, he showed them how to get to grips with their controls, and every one of them thoroughly enjoyed that experience, then they went and had a quick game and joined us, so we had all these new players playing with us, and I think the key to it is if you can group with your friends it makes the experience positive whether you win or lose the fact that you've got that guy in your wing the fact that you're able to shout oh no I'm under attack quick someone help me help me and you see the other ships coming in on your radar it creates excitement and gameplay if you're in there on your own it can be a bit daunting especially if you are up against some people that are maybe coordinating their attacks even if they are in deathmatch it's something that we don't particularly like because if you if you team up in deathmatch it's really unfair in team deathmatch it's fair game because obviously you're on a team and you want your guys to control it. and we had um, just last night and it was you know with, with Ricky Retardo who's my brother and he's on mouse and keyboards, he's level 2 and he struggles. But the rest of us were all pretty damn good. And these guys, three of them came in and they handed us our asses. I mean, they just... If you took on one, he'd head out in a straight line and the minute you clocked he was heading in a straight line away from you, you knew the other two were coming in from your sides and you were gone in seconds. It didn't put me off the game, it made it even more challenging, it made it more fun. Uh, as I say, I've not seen any evidence of it matching abilities, but it was good fun when you're out gunned. You can appreciate the skills in some of them. We had a, a capture the flag where we had to try and... So we were getting, again, kicked our backsides thrown at us. And uh, the best part in that game was the point at which they nearly captured the flag, but we blew his ship up right between the posts. <laughs> Just as he was about to capture it, boom! Then it left our flag right there. That's fun. You know, that's good fun. And against the odds, I can imagine if you're in there and all you do is blow up and blow up and blow up and you don't get to do anything, that that could be a little bit daunting. But I have been trying to say to people, you know, don't panic. It's not the winning that, and not the doing amazingly well that's the, the key thing here. It really is the working as part of a team, playing with your friends that makes this absolutely amazing fun. 
Yeah, I guess the one frustration is, and, you know, I might talk about it in a bit more depth after, but, um, you know, the issue is that if your progression within CQC and you, the rate of you unlocking new ships and weapons is tied to your success and you're just dying a lot, then that kind of compounds, you know, the frustration. Um, but well, to... Sorry, as we'll see in, in later questions, um, there's actually... They've, they've, what they've been trying to do, they've been trying to balance CQC so that newer players, uh, or sorry, more experienced players have more options. But those options aren't necessarily that much more of an advantage. So that um, you might be able to... Oh my goodness, I've got, I've got two sidewinders hammering each other at the moment. Um, you might be able to select these multi-cannons, but those multi-cannons have a payoff which will make your ship weaker in different ways. Hmm. Well, maybe you can we can talk about that a bit more after. Um, but I was going to kind of just stick up for Frontier a little bit and say that, you know, these kinds of problems with matchmaking, um, you know, both, you know, with initial matchmaking and also with the issue of new players coming along and finding it difficult, it's obviously not unique to Elite Dangerous. It's a problem that exists across a lot of competitive games. I seem to remember years ago, um, I don't know if any of you guys have played uh, the Battlefield games, is a series of games, you know, I it's a kind of first-person shooter. I think I played the first one. That's the one that was awesome because you were starting on carriers and things and you had to jump into boats and go over to the islands and then... Was that Battlefront? Uh, no, no, that, that was Battlefield 1947 or something like that, yeah. Um, but those games were great. I mean, the reason I liked them was because it was class-based and you could kind of specialise. Um, and that's what made the game interesting and a bit different from things like Call of Duty. Um, but I remember... Buying Battle, getting Battlefield Three because I I played Battlefield Two to death uh, and I played uh, uh, what was it uh, was it oh I can't remember there was a, there was another one on the Xbox um, someone on chat might tell me um, and I had lots of fun with that so I, I got Battlefield Three and I played it to death for two months and I was pretty awesome at it if I may say so myself and then I had a kind of um, a break from the game just simply because real life took over and I had some other stuff to do. And I came back after a couple of months off and I, I basically rage quit after one night. What had happened is I'd gone away and I don't know whether my skill had just, you know, dissipated, I was out of practice, or because people had continued to play in the meantime, they'd learnt more, you know, tricks, they'd learnt the maps better, they'd find out new strategies... But I just got completely owned all the time. And it, and it really did frustrate me. So I do feel sorry for new players who are coming into a competitive game. Um, and, and, and hence why it really does bug me if new players come in and they don't have the options that players who've been playing it for a long time have. So, um, but we might, we'll, we'll come to that later in the discussion if we've got time. Um, anything else you wanted to say about the matchmaking guys? No, I mean... It- yeah. It does seem to be working, um, but like you said, if they if they are using this um, ELO system ranking system, it probably will take a little time for everyone to get a bit uh, a bit more balanced. Yeah. Okay. Um, more news uh, on via Twitter. Uh, Elite Dangerous on the HTC Vive. Now we've all been. Um, uh, you're going to be able to play at EGX 2015 this week. Um, now, I haven't... Um, oh, and Steam VR as, as well. Now, 
I'm just like an Oculus fan, you know, because I've tried it and it was so promising even in its early stages. Could you guys kind of summarize what the difference is between all these different VR systems, you know, the strengths and weaknesses? Well, at the moment, the only one that I can compare it with is the Google Cardboard and, or rather, the, uh, the facilities that that gives you. Um, I mean, these HTC and the, and the, um, and the Valve ones, they're, they're, they're about, aren't they about similar specs? They're, they're, they're pretty much the same resolution as you'll get in the Oculus Rift. Um, I just got the impression that they were, these things were going to come to market quicker than the Oculus Rift were. Right, okay. I was just wondering if there's any kind of technical differences between them, you know. Cause the well, yeah, we know the Oculus Rift have got these new custom controllers, but I, I think that these, these headsets themselves, are, they don't have those customer controllers, custom controllers, and it will just basically be, you know, 3D look-around headsets. I mean, I'm might be wrong on this one, but that's, that's the impression that I've got so far. Well, I, I, I can't remember which one it was that people were talking about. Was it the Sony one that they were saying it was a, someone that had been down to Gamescon and got to try the demos of the different ones, and he was, you know, impressed by the Oculus, but blown away by one of the other ones, and I cannot for life me remain. That's great, isn't it? Somebody said something sometime. It was really interesting, but I can't recall <laughs> what was said or who said it, but it was in the forums. Yeah. So, so, but what what blew? Can you remember what actually blew him away about it? Was it the better quality, less lag, or? I think one of the things they did notice was that you didn't have the what's that called when you can see the edges. Oh, you you your peripheral vision's actually filled in, is it? Yeah, I can't remember what they call that. There's a particular word for that, isn't it? And I can't think. It's this way you can see the edges around this side, or you're aware of them. And the Oculus is pretty good. Or you can see the join between the screens as well, because, you know, it's kind of there, this little black region. Uh, and although the, the, your eyes are pretty much distracted, you are aware of these. And on the ones that do it slightly better, then you don't have that particular thing. The Vive has two lighthouses for tracking. So I think it was the, the Vive that he was talking about. I said it just blew him away. It just it was it was such a an amazing experience, and he wasn't sure whether or not it was the fact that you got a half hour booking for that particular device, whereas in the the Oculus we're doing sort of five minutes on, five minutes on. So I think it was more along the lines of his experience of it. But that's good signs because competition obviously always breeds improvements and better better um, for all. It's just like, you know, we've got lots of space games coming out, it encourages them all to do something unique, so it's good. Okay, well, that's good news. Uh, also, news from Twitter, Elite Dangerous, super cheap at the moment. Was it 40% off? It's now at seventeen ninety nine. So that's got to be worth a punt, isn't it? You know, if you're still one of those people that hasn't, you know, dipped your toe in, why not? You'd think so. Um, I mean must admit, I get a lot of people on Massively are always still complaining about it. Broad price is too high, don't want to spend it because of uh, Horizons coming along soon. But, yeah, it's still worth it, just for a, a quick dip in the ocean now, I think. Yeah, I mean, 18 quid, you know, I mean, I, I paid nearly 50 quid, I think, for um, uh, the latest Diablo game. You know, nobody seemed to bat an eyelid with that. But some people seem to be seriously averse to spending money on a space sim. 
I, I don't know whether this is the effect of you know independent games on Steam and everything seems cheaper these days. Um, but I mean, Elite Dangerous has always been cheaper than you know like your your, your kind of AAA titles anyway. So I'm not. Oh, so- well, put it this way: when we've got um, what is it going to be forty pound expansion coming uh, coming soon? Yet the same people that I know are complaining about spending a vast vast amount of money on a certain ship in a certain game, you do wonder where their priorities really lie. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost... I, I find the demographics quite interesting, you know, of, of the players um, and the various games. Um, I, I was only thinking today that, you know, it was due to the demographics, the, the, the type of people uh, taking part in the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter that made it a success. Because ultimately... They were able to put things like beta and alpha access up for, you know, was it 90, 100 quid or whatever. And there were people willing to spend that. But I don't think that's a usual thing, is it? Um, but then the demographics of Star Citizen, they seem to have captured a very, speci- a very special type of person who's willing to spend hundreds or even thousands of dollars on, on ships, which wow. I, I, th- I find it fascinating. I really do. So, um, okay, so um, there was a CQC stream with Ed Lewis and uh, the designer Jim Stimson on the 21st of September. That was yesterday. Did anybody actually see that? Yeah. I'm afraid to say, oh, right, you, you first, Grant. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, was, um, it was interesting to see them being battered. <laughs> It's just, of course, you know, obviously what we're doing tonight is much the same. When you're trying to do a talk and you're not quite concentrating on the full thing, anyone that Twitch streams CQC has long periods of silence and then lots and lots and lots of swearing all at once. And, of course, with them being Frontier, they didn't really want to have that swearing factor going. Um, but it was it was interesting to see, you know, they were obviously talking through the game. They were answering a lot of very pertinent questions in the chat as well. But they were attempting not to look awful. And um, I think one of my favourite parts of it was when the matchmaking stopped matching for them live on the stream. I thought that was just, yeah, good... You know, it's great. But they, they, they know the problems. They know the problems. They're just obviously trying to work out how best to solve them. Yeah. Well, um, there was no details revealed, though, was there? It was just them playing it and promoting it? No, it, it was basically them, them showing off CQC. So, uh, no announcements were made. Um, apart from next previous target going away... Is that some? Apparently, it was um, making the gameplay too easy for some players, or I don't understand. I don't uh, maybe I don't, I, I don't think, think it did. No, it's not. It's not is it, was it was it in CQC? I would I would certainly agree that, that that I've not been able to get the next target to work in CQC, so I'm not really aware of that issue. But I can imagine that it did did make it a bit simple to just quickly flick to the next one, whereas now. You have to line them up in your sights, hit your target button, and then get them. So, I think I think for yeah, I think for a competitive game that makes sense. That you know you should have to line them up uh, before you can lock them. So I, I'm glad they've done that. If but you know if that was there, um, I take it as a question asked about spectator view. 
Um, I think ultimately, if they do want it to be a competitive sport that people are going to stream, then I think a spectator view is very handy. You know, in terms of making it an esport. Yes. Uh, uh, but the only thing they can say is something they're looking at adding in the future. Okay. You just scared uh, the absolute bejesus out of people in the Twitch stream who suddenly thought they were removing the next and previous target buttons from the main game. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what? No, you can't do that. No, it's just CQC, guys, just CQC at yeah, the moment. Yeah. But I think they are going to bring in the loss of sight targeting system into the main game at some point as well. And actually, I quite like that. It gives people that opportunity to escape behind a... A sort of get back, get behind a satellite, you know, an asteroid, and then fire your silent mode on, and suddenly you can live to fight another day. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly add some strategy to you know the encounters you have in asteroid fields or even around stations and things like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with the the stations and the asteroids, but if you're flying behind big ships, I'd say no, don't lose the lock. Um, oh yeah, you mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I like the capital ships. Yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. yeah no. I, I like the, the lock to remain. If you're flying around, if if somebody decides to duck around a, a anaconda or a corvette or or one of the big capital ships, you still keep your lock on. But for well, other reasons, then you hold the hold the other ones off. With an anaconda, maybe with the capital ships, I, I well, I might be interested in seeing what it's like to lose the lock on such a you know because that is quite a large ship. So it'd be something I'd like to test, to be honest. It's something they are quite big. Something maybe they could balance out with the heat signature, so that if you go behind an asteroid but you're still pumping out nuclear power plant levels of heat, you shouldn't lose lock because, of course, lock works on that heat mechanism. So I think there's 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 room for tweaks and not to making it quite as you've lost line of sight boom you've lost target so a big capital ship would be giving off some level of heat that would be very difficult for it to hide I would imagine hmm okay uh, they just reiterated that they were very aware of some of the matchmaking issues that were going on um, they want to make private matches and team tournaments which I think is uh, you know is kind of a, a bare minimum functionality you need to add to a competitive game um, especially people who want to stream you know uh, their own private tournaments things like that uh, oh interesting question was put to them um, will those who who qualified for the soundtrack on Kickstarter get the new music that's been introduced for CQC um, they're going to find out um, to be honest you know would you, uh, how, what do you think that, of the CQC music is that, it something that you want on a CD that's kind of like you buy Madonna's first CD and then you have a right to download every single song she releases thereafter I think that's a bit that's a bit. It's a good question, though. I mean, I'm not going to say no if they say yeah, you can have it. But <laughs> I think possibly we're um, griping. But no, I haven't really noticed the CQC music yet. I've not really. I've probably got it muted. I'll need to go and listen to it and see. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to turn the, the music off if it's going. To, do you know what I mean? If you're interacting with a lot of different things, um, then it, you know the chop and change isn't much fun. But I found if I was doing lots of long distance hauls, it was nice to have the um, the super cruise music on because it's kind of relaxing. I find. Uh, the question was asked: What's the most difficult part of CQC to make? And I, I thought the answer was pretty obvious: the levels. Um, 
simply because you know it's uh, a major game design uh, topic really um, so a lot of effort has to be put into them to make them both interesting um, and strategically interesting so um, okay what other questions do they have <laughs> can we design our own levels thanks but no thanks yeah, I mean, we're, this is coming back to the old uh, people designing a level in the shape of a penis or something like that, I guess. Um, although I, some players might like that. Um, and in what world did they design a door that they needed to be shot to op- to be opened? Now, yeah, I remember I remember seeing this in one of the trailers, and uh, I, it was a good question. Um, but to be fair, I mean, it's meant to be a fun, competitive game. So, you know, you're going to have to, um, you know, uh, have that disbelief, I think. I can answer that. Oh, okay. Go for it. Oh, well, <laughs> welcome, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for Hello. filling in for our two, uh, two members that have got Virgin Internet, uh, Virgin Internet and are unable to join us. So what have you got to say? I was going to say, if you want doors that are open by shooting at them, they must have got the guy in that made all the doors for Metroid. Because in, in Metroid, you shoot all the doors open. There you go. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, it's a callback to it's earlier a games. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. no. did, did you see this stream, Chris? I, you know, I didn't. Um, there, yeah, I think I was doing something. <laughs> I think I was working or something, or looking up. Yeah, yeah, I would have been working as well. They, they put them on at these stupid times when yeah, yeah, yeah. some of us are working. Yes, I think I was probably playing with a, a cow and a sheep and a toy laptop or something. Is is that what you do for work, is it? <laughs> no, I was looking after Eden. Oh, sorry. Yes, being <laughs> a parent definitely qualifies as being work. Yeah, yeah, um, so now you come to join us on the podcast mm. then. Have you got anything interesting to say? What have you been up to this week? Well, only I'm. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't chaos champs. Yeah, so awesome. I was, yeah, I was going to say earlier. Actually, you want to plug the uh, the YouTube channel um, because um, those Twitch ones disappear, don't they? I think I think the first week we did has already gone. Oh right, yeah. So the, of course YouTube dot com slash chaos champs. No, sadly not. We I don't think we qualify yet to have a to have a vanity URL on uh, on YouTube. I think oh. we have to have. A, I know. I think we have to have a few more followers and a few more videos and a few more likes. Um, okay. And then uh, we'll do it. But if you, you know, um, I don't search know. for chaos champs in YouTube. Do we show up? Yeah, I think we do. hopefully. Yeah, should do. do yeah. That. So, if you go and like our videos, you can help us get a vanity title. That'd be cool. That a would be useful. Yeah. That would be useful. So, yeah, I mean, I've finally tried CQC. Um, I mean, I don't I don't hate it, um, and I don't particularly love it. I, I've, I've kind of got the feeling that it's not really... I don't really think I'm the target demographic for CQC. Um, and that's not really an age thing. I'm just not really um, a kind of multiplayer sort of twitch shooter guy really um i was sort of commenting to someone not that i want to you know revive the whole offline gate thing but actually you know cqc is a sort of thing that if i was at a land party and cqc was a was a viable option for 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 like a local game i'd play it and play it and play it over the course of a land weekend but it's just it's not something that i would sit and kind of choose to play myself 
not when I've got the whole universe of Elite to fly around in. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I seem to remember when I had an Xbox 360 years ago and I was playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, you know, I, I did. You know, I didn't really like the Twitch stuff in that. But what I did like doing is, if I had lots of friends, you know, like real life friends, um, who would we'd all be in one big chat room together, then playing that same game was a lot more fun. You know, because you'd have a bit of messing around as well, and, and you know, it was a bit more humorous. So, do you think CQC, you know, you might be tempted to play it if, for instance, like the Lave Radio crew had a kind of a deathmatch night or something like that? I was going to say, you're saying if I had friends. If you um, had friends, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think if someone was organising a specific get together, I'd probably, I'd probably do it, or if there was some sort of event to get me to come and play it. Um, yeah, I, I, I probably would in those instances. Um, and I would probably favour something like a capture the flag mode over just straight deathmatch or team deathmatch. Um, oh yeah, you're very much like me then. You like an objective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was listening to what you, you guys were saying earlier about the the whole kind of leveling thing and the equipment. I was sort of talking about Counter Strike earlier, and I kind of like the leveling up. But one of the things I always liked about Counter Strike is that when you when you came into the the matches to begin with that everyone starts at the same sort of level. And then as you go through the rounds and you're collecting money and you're, you know, you're, you're winning matches or, or killing other players, then at the next round you can kind of buy equipment. So I'd almost like that kind of ship progression thing to be condensed into the course of a particular session. And then when you come to a session brand new, you're always back at level one. So well, the yeah, idea but... is that the first round in any match, everyone's in the Condor with the base weapon. Hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it kind of makes it kind of evens it up a bit, doesn't it? Gives people a bit more of a fight, uh, a chance, I guess. Yeah, it just gives you that chance to. Because I remember with Counter Strike, people always there always used to be a cheer for what people called pistol round, which is you know the round where <laughs> no one's got any money for anything, so everyone just uses the default pistol. Um, yeah, there used to be, oh, first-person shooters are famous for it, you know, you'll have, like, a round where it's knives only or something like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Just to kind of mix it up a bit. I seem to remember in the chat earlier, somebody humorously, I think, mentioned that maybe it should be the other way around, that new players get all of the ships and all of the weapons, and as you get better, you you end up in a sidewinder with a single um, cannon or something. Absolutely, you want, like, like, like a handicap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we? Because I was thinking of the um, the movie Leon, where he's giving her the uh, tutorial on sort of you know being a being an assassin, and he's saying that the the, the beginner's weapon is the sniper rifle, uh, and when you're the absolute master, you dispatch your targets with a knife. You know, yeah. you sort of you get closer to your opponent, the better you get. Yeah, I quite like that principle. I don't know if you could enforce it in a game design, but I quite like the idea of it. So yeah, so the, be- the once you're the top level, the only thing you can, d- you can do is ram other players. Yeah, that's right. Or um, or micro machine style, you just have a big hammer on top of your ship, and you have to fly <laughs> close enough to hit them with the hammer. Yeah, I think melee combat is something that they should really look at. To be honest, <laughs> and I, I'm not I'm <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Um, <laughs> no, because. 
Um, if you remember, um, I think one of the things that was touted in Star Citizen was some of the ships would actually have massive, you know, um, like blades on them and stuff, and oh, they yeah, could yeah. be used. So, Robot. yeah, there's potential there. Robot yeah. Wars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hypno Disc. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, okay. So, looking at the newsletter, um, not a great deal of news as usual. Um, that's just sadly the way things go these days. Ed Lewis will be at TwitchCon. What is TwitchCon, guys? Is that just where everyone goes and Twitch streams? Basically, oh, go on. No, no carry on. Sorry, I didn't realise you were back. Yeah, um, uh, TwitchCon is basically, you know, it is big Twitch conference of the year, you know, like your keynote speeches and things like that. So, you know, where they'll make the big announcements of what's going, hap- what's going to be happening with Twitch over the next year. So, uh, yes, and uh, a lot of the um, high-profile Twitchers. Is that, is that the proper noun for them no, these days? No, Twitchers are people who um, yeah, they bird watching. Yeah, bird watchers. So, so yeah. what do we call these people then? Streamers? Mm, yeah, I suppose. Okay, so... Yeah, so <laughs> a lot of cross streamers there. That's, don't cross the streamers. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm going off on one now. Um, yeah, th- that's basically where they, they have their big keynote speeches and a lot of the, the big uh, names in streaming uh, will make an appearance. Okay. It struck me, one of the things that struck me about TwitchCon is that given that Twitch is a thing that's kind of made its name and become a thing for sort of, I guess you like a virtual presence, so people stream videos and people join them as a sort of virtual audience. Mm -hmm. There's something I find very odd about the idea of having an actual convention in a place for something like Twitch. Because of course... You know, because anyone can go to Twitch. If you've got a Twitch channel anywhere, anyone can watch it from anywhere around the world. Whereas actually TwitchCon, being where it is, it sort of excludes people geographically. And that seems a bit weird to me. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of these big American corporate things where they have one of these big showcase events. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of the MMOs... Um, or, or they used to have. I mean, there's still BlizzCon going, but there used to be a whole lot of uh, fan fairs for for some of the SOE games, and that used to be a, a massive thing. Uh, and and people would turn up uh, from all around the world to that, even though they could just actually join in over the various MMOs. So it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's this. I don't know. I've noticed it come up quite a lot lately when you have these kind of big big new tech companies, they've all got to seem to have this this big showcase event well, at least once a year. I know. Well, we'd never be accused of that. No. No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so, can we refer so, to TwitchCon as, like, the, the LaveCon of Twitch from now on? <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you want to. We've, we've set that standards quite high. They've They've seen what we did and they've thought... That's a good idea. We'll do an event that is almost completely the same. Yeah. Except about Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, surely we're going to have to start bigging up the next LaveCon because, um, you know. We've got dates. We've got dates for it, yeah. I suppose we should announce them, shouldn't we? We should announce them. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> looking at them. If you've got, the, if you got them are. to hand. 
<laughs> okay. Well, if if Jarvis can do that, then uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I'll say this much: that basically last year's was so successful, the hotel loved us so much that they were very keen to have us back. Um, we've actually got. I mean, we practically had the whole hotel anyway. I think there was just like a small wedding party there. This time, we literally will have the entire um, hotel. Um, so it's going to be the same place again. Yep, ninth um, and tenth of July, two thousand and sixteen. Okay. So put it so. in your calendars. You can't buy tickets yet because we've only gone as far as deciding when the date is going to be. Um, yeah. But I'm but sure we will have options. It's it's going to be bigger and better. I mean, we can only go up, can't we? Really, I'm not saying last last year was bad, but I mean. You know, people have got high expectations now, so uh, we'll be racking our brains between now and then coming up with new features. Um, I, I, I believe there were um, uh, surveys sent out to people who attended to find out what was popular. So, you know, we've been very keen to take feedback so we can understand what people liked, what people didn't like, so we can improve on it. If you've got any particular tips, uh, suggestions, or things you'd like to see, then you're, of course, welcome to email us, info at laveradio.com. We love feedback. Um, I'd like to do. I think I'd like to do more content this year. I was a bit up against it this year, and I had I had wonderful ideas about doing live audio drama and sort of uh, a workshop or whatever. But um, unfortunately, I was really up against deadlines with the official elite audiobooks. Uh, and on top of that, my wife went and broke her leg, um, which was very inconsiderate. And um, it just, it all just came up at the wrong moment and I had to, I had to pull all the content I had planned. So hopefully, unless people write and say they don't want me to do it, <laughs> you know, there will be organised for next year um, another live audio drama like we did LaveCon the previous year. Uh, and hopefully what I'd like to do, if people are, if, if it, tell us if you think it's be interesting, um, if people would be interested in doing a workshop and creating an audio drama from scratch. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'd something, definitely be up for that, yeah. Some, mm. Something which should be recorded and people can take it away and keep it and listen to it whenever and know that they were a part of, you know, making something making something new. Um, so so that, would you do the whole thing, like from the script writing to the, to the actual performing? No, and I'd, then... I'd probably bring scripts because, to be honest, um, devising any kind of drama or script is, is quite a big process in itself. I think what I quite like the, the workshop to focus on is um, getting people to learn how to see things as sound effects, um, you know, obviously recording the dialogue and then obviously the, a little bit of post-production that hopefully we'll have time to, to go through. That's, that'd be more than enough. I think if it was any bigger than that, you'd be in danger of taking up like an entire morning for someone at the convention when they probably want to go and see other things as well. So, we'll, you know, we'll keep it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but then again, I've, I've been quite surprised that, you know, people have come and they've spent, you know, three hours doing, you know, role-playing games with Dave Hughes. Um, so, it's... Yeah. You know, no, you know, definitely, but I think... Yeah, but I think as well, I mean, it's, it's something like that is going to suit itself best to sort of group sizes of sort of seven or eight. Um, and I think if you if you make it something too big, then you're you're, you know, excluding other people from trying it if they want to try it. You know, could maybe run it a couple of times over the weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, which is really interesting. But I think in terms of the writing of stuff, I think that's kind of a different area. And I think that's something that Alan already covers quite well in terms of writing workshops. Uh, sure. 
So, yeah, we'll probably just, you know, but it's early days. Um, if people have suggestions or comments, um, you know, now, now is the time before we start thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. So, other stuff mentioned in the uh, website or in my show notes, uh, anyway. Um, some noob friendly stuff. There's a, a nice intro to Elite Dangerous website. It's at lavewiki.com. Uh, and there's also a good intro to Elite Video, although we don't have a very friendly URL for that, so perhaps we'll put it in the show notes, I think, when we put this on uh, the blog. Yes, I've seen, I've seen that in that intro, and uh, it, it's very well put together, uh, and, and the, the guy has taken on a, a kind of half-hearted pirate persona while he instructs <laughs> you. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know whether it's his genuine accent or whether it's slightly put on. There's a little bit of the um, Pirates of the Caribbean to it, if you like. About, or this is how you do your your uh, <laughs> your targeting and, and this is what to do when you're interdicted kind of thing. I half expected him to go pieces of eight at one point. <laughs> but I don't know whether or not that's genuinely his his accent yeah, or whether it's put it on the West Country. Yes, yeah, so it yeah. might just be from Bristol or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it you, was um, it was very well done. Yeah, no, I was going to say if you if you YouTube "Welcome to the Galaxy, Commander," it will probably come up. Okay, top tip. That's the name uh, of the video. Yeah, there okay. is an introduction to Elite Dangerous. The the, the one we sort of passed over. I, I wanted to just make a little comment on the uh, the Federal Corvette bridge screenshot. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how they have their gamma set at Frontier, but I had to turn the lights off in the studio to see what was in this image. It's oh, really right. dark. Mm. Uh, it might be a monitor settings because it seems fine for me. Really? So, okay. yeah, yeah. Or well, maybe my monitor's too high. Not sure. <laughs> um, do you actually have anything to say about it apart from commenting on you know how it was produced? Well, in the, in the light of you know obviously recent discussions about potential AI or human wingmen um, all I'd really say about it is three seats three seats yeah mm. you know that's, that's that's significant it's not the only one with three seats but it's I th- just think the timing of it's interesting that they would show these three seats at a point when people are hinting about sort of co-pilots because it, the image is very much framed to show those chairs I don't think that's accidental well, that's one thing that we're still waiting on in, in the previous games. That you had to have crew for the bigger ships. I yep. mean, I don't know whether or not they're going to implement that at all. Hmm. Interesting to see. Well, it acts as a as a sink as well, doesn't it, um, for the yeah. economy? So you, if you've got to pay wages out for the large ships, it kind of helps in that respect. Yeah, I mean, so, it puts you in mind of something like, what was the... Well, we always talk about this, and I always forget the name of it. That elite-like game that was on the um, the pocket PC. Was it Galaxy Trader or something like that? Um, I, th- I missed that one, I think. Foz would know if he was still online. It was basically, it was, on the, it was on the pocket PC and it was a game, it was basically elite without the 3D flying. So you would move from station to station and you would have sort of almost like choose-your-own-adventure-style battles with NPC ships. Um, but the core of the game was hiring crew, and each crew had different attributes and skills, and would give different bonuses and uh, sort of points to your ship. And it was a sort of they'd managed to make a whole sub game over having the kind of the best crew. 
Um, but yeah, it sort of always puts me in mind of that. Um, and it would be interesting to see if you could. That, I was like the thing in Frontier, and I don't know if anything ever came of it. That sometimes when you sacked members of your crew, they kind of went off with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. But I don't know if it was just me. I never really saw any repercussions from that. And I think it'd be quite interesting in this game if you sort of upset an NPC that then later you get sort of interdicted by them and attacked and there's, there's you know, repercussions to the, the decisions you make in that regard. Well, I'm coming after you. You didn't pay me any redundancy. Yeah, I want my back pay. Yeah, or, or, or yeah, you've kicked me off the, the ship in this station that is the arse end of nowhere. What do you expect me to do now? <laughs> it's the equivalent of, equivalent of leaving them on an island with a bottle of rum and one bullet or something like that <laughs> so. okay uh, I guess we better move on then swiftly uh, mayhem okay yeah. so this is this is what uh, did you particularly want to talk about this it's what was it the 25th of September to the uh, 1st of October yeah, well, I mean, this is the, this is the the big thing that they're pushing to try and get everybody into CQC to stress test it, um, and in order to do that, they're they're doing quite a few um, events. If you if you see what I mean, there's at least a, a couple of events between here uh, between today and uh, the release date. Um, the full plan is available on uh, the beta community website. Uh, and, and that also includes all the uh, stuff that they're doing for EGX, which also includes a lot of community streaming and and uh, things like that that are, that are being uh, sent out in a in a new announcement which came out a few hours ago. So we've got um, Crash Landing, uh, Geekbyte, Maxursa, Obsidian Ant, One Vigo, and Chaos Wolf. They're all doing timed streams on on Saturday the twenty sixth. And on Sunday the 27th, crash landing again. He's busy. Hyperdroid, Maxursa, Wishblend, and One Vigo finishes off at 3 o'clock. So um, they've got um, a lot of Xbox CQCing going on. Uh, tonight was supposed to be the big deathmatch uh, thing, which I thoroughly, thoroughly failed at. I think I've actually managed to reach level 2 tonight. But <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I just had an interest. I'm having an interesting conversation with uh, somebody in game now, uh, Commander Hawkus Alpha. Um, he's just suggested that perhaps griefing has dropped off since CQC. I would agree, sir. Think, yeah. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd agree, sir. I think the people that wanted to kill other commanders have now got somewhere, somewhere to express themselves <laughs> quite easily. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's um, something that uh, I hadn't really considered. So, I suppose that's a, a positive thing if if people, you know, had issues of griefing in game. Um, <laughs> so, mayhem. Yeah. If you're into CQC, then it sounds like the time that they're going to be trying to get the most people on. So, matchmaking hopefully uh, will mean that you'll get into games a lot quicker. Um, have they been giving any advice about matchmaking? About um... they they have actually, and uh, it's been quite useful. Um, to, 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 to tell you the truth, tonight has been the first night since um, CQC was originally launched on the Xbox that I've actually been able to to play a couple of games. And uh, like you were saying with your um, your other um, multiplayer game, because I haven't kept up keeping my skill set 
with of being able to use the controller. Uh, basically, I just had my backside handed to myself. Uh, but the the rule the uh, guidelines really are sort of go for a match. If you don't get anything within a minute, uh, quit. Wait thirty seconds and try again. Uh, and if you don't get something probably within twenty minutes or so, or fifteen minutes, then um, I think I think you'll have lucked out. Yeah, that's a long time to be hanging around trying to get into a match only to find out that it's balked or whatever, isn't it? So. Yeah, well, I must admit, though, um, tonight we've managed to get matches within uh, 30 seconds uh, or a minute at the most. So I think it all depends on, on when, it's, when it's busy. So at this time of day, it's, it's going to be busy. Uh, but, of course, when you're playing at 1 o'clock or 2 in the morning, I suppose you might get the American folks. Uh, but say early morning then I think things will be very quiet and you'll hardly get a match mm. okay no, that's fair enough um, I'm going to jump around a bit on the show notes now um, because <laughs> I spied something that was actually quite interesting um, and um, if you remember we speculated quite a few times on the fact that um, Frontier have been quite slow to release fixes for CQC on Xbox um, mm-hmm. you know, oh yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were we were lucky enough to be contacted by Commander AJ Cleary. He had some interesting things to say, uh, and I'll probably just read it. It's a lot easier. Um, Hello, gentlemen. I keep hearing y'all asking about micro- the Microsoft certification process, and since I work as a designer on EA's Madden franchise, uh, that's North America's FIFA. I think most people do know what Madden is. Um, I thought I'd help out. So. From the date of submission to response, typically it ranges 10 to 15 business days, uh, and so 10 days is the bare minimum. So if you've had to do some fixes and you submit the code to Microsoft, um, it's got to go through uh, like an internal testing um, uh, process. Um, so, for instance, uh, and that doesn't matter whether it's a big fix or a small fix, you know, you're going to have that turnaround, that 10 to 15 day turnaround. Um, uh, and Microsoft have got some very particular guidelines that they need you to stick to and so obviously every time you submit it they're going to check it again for instance they're going to insist that the A button always represents the back in menus um, you know and, and you know they're going to have a checklist basically and it can take you know kind of two days to get through um, uh, of course if you if, if for some reason you don't meet their expectations and you have to resubmit then again you're going to have another 10 to 15 day turnaround before another response so if you think about it you know that can and, and we did kind of speculate that this was the kind of situation that they were facing um, you know the, the, the process is lengthy so um, one to two months is not unheard of, um, especially for smaller studios who don't have the QA resources to test as thoroughly as they'd like. Um, so games like Madden and FIFA uh, generally have um, this is this is just an extra bit of information. Um, uh, basically, anything that's using an IP has certain requirements from the IP holders, and if they don't, uh, if then. Uh, if it doesn't get released on a specific date mandated by the IP holder, they can get fined. And so for this reason, large developers can pay to have their product pushed up the queue. Um, but um, AJ seems to suspect, he suspects that Frontier 
doesn't have resources. To. So I think that's that's you know a good explanation, and it does kind of give us a bit more of a concrete answer on why it takes so long to uh, get changes out. And it was something that Frontier hinted at. You know, when we were talk, when people were asking them about whether the Xbox version would be completely in sync with the features on the PC, Frontier did sort of intimate that that might not necessarily be possible because they're they're used with the PC to just being able to decide one week we're going to push out a patch, and they can test it to their own satisfaction and push it out. Um, whereas obviously, they, you know, they don't have that luxury on the the Xbox, so we'll always be lagging behind. It's interesting, though, that thing about things like Madden and FIFA having release date requirements, because, of course, they release those games on a yearly cycle on the dot (laughs) regardless. So a two-month delay to um, getting a problem in the game patched would take them a long way of the way to the next release. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, But I think, don't they kind of reuse the engine quite a lot? It's it's just more a case of updating, you know, the content of the game, like player names and team names, things like that. Um, quite yeah. often, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think they do try and justify it uh, the, the the price tag a little bit more by kind of adding the odd feature here and there or new faces. But yeah, I mean, I sort of miss the days of um, there was that sports game on the Amiga. Now, what was it? Oh, I don't know. But rather than releasing a new game, they actually sort of released a data disc that you could buy and it would actually update the names of all the players in your game well something like sensible soccer or something yeah something like that Uh, that sounds familiar yeah I think sensible soccer did it I think one of the cricket games did it the Brian Lara one I think well, foot, Football Manager used to do it, but then they That's found right. it was easier to uh, to actually sell everybody a brand new version of the game. Well, yeah. the beginning Easy, of every yeah. season. Easier is debatable. I mean, back then, of course, it would have been easier because if you're trying to release a disc which can update a game which basically plays off floppy disk, that is quite an achievement. Um, but I think nowadays, I think it's just money, isn't it? I mean, because you wouldn't, you can get people to pay forty quid every year for a new game with the latest season data but if you say to people oh connect to the internet and we'll update all your player stats for you no one's going to pay £40 for that won't stop EA from trying (laughs) you're absolutely right because it's the perception and if you look at it what is new in this game compared to that game well you've updated all the player data you've updated the player interaction by changing the text but not necessarily the background programming You've maybe added another couple of animations to the players on the field. And all in all, yeah, that's... If you put it in that term, you kind of go, why are you charging me full price for that rubbish? Just update my data for for free. Come on, (laughs) stop being stingy. It reminds me of a job. We had a complaint when I was working uh, for a company, working for uh, PC World, essentially, and they'd sold it to this businessman, and he had us out because he'd bought his Packard Bell. Serves him right, in my opinion. But he bought this Packard Bell and was actually having engineers sent out because he was complaining that in his Formula One game that Michael, uh, (coughs) Michael Schumacher was driving for... Benetton, when actuality he was driving for Ferrari this year and he wanted the game fixed. And you kind of just sort of stand there in disbelief, going, I am a PC engineer, you'll need to take that one up with uh, Microsoft, I think, who uh, supplied the game. And you just, yeah, it's the kind of perception of that you should have up to date data for free, isn't it? 
Mm. Yeah, totally. I think when we worked in computer shops, I think everybody came across a customer like that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, how long have we got to go? Half an hour. Okay. Well, I'm going to. Do we do we want to discuss uh, the competitive side of CQC, or should we skip that for another week? Well, uh, I mean, CQC has been going on the PC now for what a week, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Couple um, of weeks. Does anybody feel that they've had a uh, um, an adequate go at it to make a decision on that? Because I know I haven't. <laughs> Grant, you probably the 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 person to. Uh, well, to be fair, Grant's been very positive about it. He's, you know, he said that even though he's had his ass handed to him, he's had a jolly good time. Is that, yeah. Does that kind of sum up what your feelings, Grant? Yeah, and and I think you know because obviously we've been really pushing to get people into Teamspeak. We've been you know, putting people into teams. We've been using the the radio station and playing some good heavy rock and some you know songs to get the angst going things like Rick Astley and uh, you know that gets me angry um, but it's just it's just been creating the the sort of teamwork gameplay and having a laugh and it's things like I don't know if you ever get a chance but you know already there's people that I don't like to play with for various different reasons and Bewilderbeast is one if you ever want to have a game where you can make the kill don't play with Bewilderbeast. He is a horrific kill-stealing son of a bum, but he's damn good. Um, you sk- lost to him again, didn't you? No, no, not at all. <laughs> he's usually on my team, but it is, it's quite... He is just... His situational awareness in CQC is amazing. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's always there on your wing, give, covering you when you get blown up. He's always there to take out your target when you get the shields off. Um, and... It's just brilliant gameplay, but so much fun. But in Capture the Flag, is it's a, it's a story, you know? It's just when you've got a team of people in TeamSpeak and you're shouting commands and you're saying, right, and you can hear the, you know, your guy that's got the flag going, right, I'm getting fired, I'm getting fired, and you come in and go, right, I've got him, I've got him, I'm on your, I'm on your tail, I've got that guy, and you see that guy disengage and your flag carrier carries on, you take it with that guy, another one comes in. It's it's engaging, it's it's completely compelling gameplay and so much fun but there's a key point to that one of the things I had on last night was I managed to get into a game and it was actually with Selizen, Dave Hughes he was doing his Monday night stream and I ended up in a game with him and we were using in-game comms and it was awful it was manageable, but it was awful. The team speak side of things uh, makes it fun to play with people, and you know we were we had new people. Um, I was playing with two new guys another night as well, and it's just opening yourself up to play as part of a team. And the things that are missing in the game that would be awesome is the ability to have a lobby where you can chat better communications in that game so that it was not with you no know, take the distortion out because it's a lovely thing but it's now getting in the way of communication the noises coming through Dave's uh, mic was horrific and just made it un, you know I just couldn't hear what he was saying so let's get the the audio communications going great because if you're in a team of four and the audio is working it is awesome 
and to meet new people, new voices, all that kind of stuff, it's definitely where the degree of fun is at. And, you know, being able to compliment people on cracking shots and thanks for saving me, it just adds to the whole experience. So, yeah, I've now played, oh, crack, I don't know how many matches I've played, how many people I've killed, loads, and how many times I've died. And, and no matter what, you get matches where you just cannot seem to avoid flying into people's shots. And then you get matches where you can't seem to stop killing people. You just, you know, it goes either way. It's a, it is very much a luck of the draw kind of thing. But it won't stop me. It's something that I can definitely see doing some uh, trading, doing some bits and pieces, and then going, right, actually, you know what, I'm going to jump into CQC, see who's about. And uh, with the wonderful success of the Hutton Orbital Community Goal, I'm not going to go on about that too much, but with that success, I've got a lovely full... <laughs> absolutely massive friends list in games so it means that when I go to CQC I can see tons of people that I can invite into a game with and have fun with just purely for the sheer sake of it and it's that's brilliant so it was a success then because you never really mentioned it no no you know, do you remember <laughs> did you see that um, Karash and Ian Norman were on the community spotlight I can remember there was, there was someone else that was one of the community spotlights and who was that oh yeah it was me um <laughs> If we're going to drag things back up. <laughs> but from a competitive sense of thing, it gets you going. And it does have that, I'm going to have one more go. Come on, guys, let's go back in. Let's try it again. And, you know, you can hear the wife going, are we going to watch anything tonight? Because it's nearly midnight. And you're going, yeah, just going to finish this round. Three rounds later, two o'clock in the morning. Not in the good books, but um, it's been <laughs> heartless. Heartless. No, no that's good. I was going to say, though, with regard to your point about turning off the audio filter, it'd be nice if that was a an option on the client. Because I quite like it and I quite find it immersive, but I can appreciate there are times when you wouldn't want it. So it'd be a shame for it to go completely. Well, I'd say um, keep it in the in the main game, but lose it for CQC. Because CQC is when you want the... Uh, you want the clarity of, of communication, but when it comes to you know, the main game, you want that kind of immersion factor. How difficult yeah. that would be to do? don't know. <laughs> well, I think if you had a toggle for turning it off and on at your preference, it would allow you to cater for it yourself, and there'll be some people that will hate it in-game as well. Uh, I think, you know, as Chris says, I think it's wonderful when you're in-game and someone fires up the comms, but to be honest... Uh, I rarely used it. I think since the two years that I've been playing Elite Dangerous, I've maybe made three ship-to-ship calls. The rest all being done on TeamSpeak. Yeah, that that is fair. Yeah, I, I, mm, yeah, we have everything's been on TeamSpeak really. So okay. yeah, I think you know it's possibly worthwhile looking at either doing something team speaky with the in-games comms, and certainly I think CQC is calling out and crying out and begging, begging for some way to throw insults, no, not insults, compliments at the rival teams <laughs> so that you can let them know that actually, you know what, you kicked our asses and that was awesome. I really appreciate that game. Thank you very much. You're just wanting to taunt people, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Cow got ya. You bounder. Okay, so I guess before we move on to the next item, uh, I, I want to ask you guys, you know, you've been playing it enough time now that you've unlocked some stuff. What is your current loadout of choice? 
Actually, this is going to sound weird, but it's still the base ship. I haven't had any... I don't think I've had any reason to change it yet. Um, I haven't come across any situation, on the PC anyway, which I can't handle in the basic ship. So you're still in the Condor with, what, the, um, the pulse yeah, lasers? Pulse lasers, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm flying around with that. I'm having a blast. I mean, I don't know. I haven't come across you know, people who have reached the top levels yet. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a level one noob. But I've, I'm still having a blast on the level one ship. Grant? Well, I mean, he's, he's absolutely right. The level one ship can handle its own. It's quite a, ga- a basic sort of setup, but the the chaff is key. I have tried a lot of the different ships, a lot of the different loadouts. Some to my detriment. The plasma cannon or plasma laser was awful. The biggest mistake I made was putting the silent mode on the Condor that is a complete waste of time a complete <laughs> waste of time and that's the thing, a lot of the, it's not a case of you get a different edge some of these things are just completely useless uh, but yes, my current Condor has uh, I'm not going to tell you what kind of hulls or shields I've got because it's going to let people know how to take me out better but my weapon of choice I've got fast charging shields because you need them and my favourite, absolute favourite weapon of choice, and it's because it hammered the crap out of me, and I thought, that is so epic. It's, it's actually unnerving when you get hit by a rapid-fire cannon. It is... Your ship shakes, your shields flash, and it goes boom, 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 and it just totally and utterly freaks you out when it hits you the first time because you instantly go, what's he doing? He's cheating. How's he... What's that? Boom, and you're gone. Now, they're not particularly great against shields, but they, they distract you so much is my weapon of choice. And I've tried different combinations, and I keep going back to that because it's the one that I enjoy the most. I thoroughly love it. It doesn't make me kill because the basic pulse lasers are more than ample to do your killing. They, I mean, that's the, the combination. would have one of those in the pulse cannons, the sorry, rapid-fire cannons, but... It's such an amazing sound. And you just know that the person in the ship that's currently getting hammered by it is going, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, and trying to get to cover. It's... Oh. So, so what, you just said that you felt that uh, there was some setups or weapons or whatever that weren't, you, weren't worth your time. Now, is, would you say that is your, just like your initial reaction? Or do you think you've had enough experience now that you think that... Uh, um, it, they need rebalancing. Well, I don't think they need rebalancing because it's like you know you're you're working with um, a number of ships. And the Eagle, for example, is uh, very good with its beam lasers, and but it overheats, so it's it's geared up for heat things. So if you carry on with the upgrades in that kind of vein, you're going to create a more powerful Eagle that's becoming quite tricky to deal. The Sidewinder is a tank, so it's all shield cells and shield boosters and, you know, give it a real good hull and you want a rapid fire, a rapid charging um, shield on that, but it's sluggish and it's very slow to do damage. You tend to find that people that take the Sidewinder are decoys, so in a team match situation, that Sidewinder will fly off or in amongst you, get you all concentrating on it, start heading out, recharging its shields. Meanwhile, while the rest of the team come in from different angles and pick you off one at a time. I mean, it's, it's, it's developing into that tactical loadouts, 
So when you see Capture the Flag, you'll find someone in a sidewinder who's going to pick the flag up, but they don't go fast enough, but they can possibly last long enough to get that flag back. Or you go for the Condor and you soup it up for having strong shields. Or maybe, you know, you go down the routes of possibly using a cloaking device so that when you pick up that flag, you go into silent. I said cloaking device. I didn't mean that. I meant silent running. Um, If you go into silent running and then boost your backside all the way back to capture the flag, that would be a good tactic. But you're at risk of being picked off by people taking pot shots. So there's no particular bad loadout but there's just an appropriate for the game mode that you're playing and then there's advantageous for the role that you want to take on in that game mode so you know for example if you're in a game and you and the problem is once you're in a game you can't change your loadout but you can change your ship so that's when it becomes a bit of a problem because sometimes you'd, you'd go into a game and you'd see that everyone's using cannons so the first thing you'd want to do is change your hull to a kinetic resistant hull to give you that extra edge to give you that extra bit of time to get your shields back up and to take them out so it is um, and as you can see I'm just compelled but I mean I don't even give this much attention to my loadouts in the main game I don't care about them in the main game because it's not about the combat it's not about the extracting the extra seconds to get your shields back on and yet CQC is, is and it becomes quite, um, through trying stuff, you can see, nope, that's not for me. And, for example, the, <laughs> the silent running on a Condor is not for me. Not at all. I'd rather have fast charging shields and my auto rapid fire cannons. Okay. Uh, my question also, you can both answer, give your answers to this. Um, there's a kind of a, a pattern with all games that are released on multiple platforms, both consoles and PC. Um, and, and the kind of feeling is that the, uh, the PC players work together better. Uh, you know, you're more likely to end up in a group where they actually function as a team. Um, you know, I've seen this a lot in things like first-person shooters. Would you say that kind of pattern has emerged? I think it's too early to say, to be honest. Um, It probably has emerged on the PC version because the communication tools that you have is better or are better. So you've got your team speak. The in-communication tools on the Xbox, unfortunately, are a bit lacking. And, you know, it's restricted to the on-screen keyboard and things like that. Um, My headset and my Xbox isn't exactly the best in the world, so... Um, I haven't had any chance in, in actually trying out the uh, the in-game comms on that. It's never worked. So, um, you know, you need those kind of in-game communications in order to, to start this organisation in the first place. Do you, I mean, do you... Oh, sorry, go on, Grant. What, no, what's no, your he's, he's absolutely right. The problem with the Xbox version is, that, for example, I use it and I'm currently in a different room to my Xbox um, so the chances of me being able to use the microphone to communicate with other team members is nil, and I don't even have the, what do they call it, the connect in, so therefore I have no particular way of communicating. I mean, you can always get a keyboard and hook it into the USB port if you want, Colin, so I mean, you know, there are ways around it, but it would be nicer if the in-game's comms were a bit more reliable, a bit clearer, and again, a little bit quicker to sort of have maybe sort of quick, because you can do that in consoles, the quick message menu, so that you can mm. fire a quick message to somebody and it'll tell them, you know, help me and all that kind of stuff. Useful things. Um, but yeah, I can't say I've played the Xbox or the console version enough to notice any difference in the team play. The, the play, the PC version, 
Um, again, because I'm playing in groups of friends, that team play is becoming more and more apparent. And if you run against a group that are not organised or are not in communication with each other, it is a, a, a much easier. It gives you a distinct advantage to take them you, right out. Yeah. yeah. So, could do you think you could give a kind of a guesstimate? You know, what percentage of games do you think that you go into on the PC? What percentage of them would you say the opposition um, are working as a team and not just you know basically working on their own? Oh, oh that's a difficult one. Um, personally, for me, not many. <laughs> Uh, but then again, I haven't been involved with um, the stuff that Grant's been organising yet. Yeah, um, I would I mean, well, well, I mean, if you're organising it, that's a bit different because, you know, you might be organising your team and and, then, and you're up against another team which you know is going to be organised. I mean, if you just join public games for a, for a laugh, how often do you actually see teamwork happening? I must admit, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Is there? It depends on your... And, and obviously in... In, actually in the standalone deathmatch it's more apparent when people are working together because you'll see it every time you particularly target a particular guy and his shields go down and he suddenly heads out of the fight zone suddenly you get taken out by somebody else and every time you rinse and repeat you begin to recognise these patterns and that's somebody covering someone else's backside and, and that's very tricky to deal with in deathmatch because there's so many other people trying to kill you um, in the team games on the PC you can definitely see more gameplay together, uh, even in the sort of noob teams. It might take them a couple of rounds, but after a couple of rounds, you can see them coact, you know, really actively coordinating together. Uh, team Capture the Flag is one of those games where you can see it best, but if they haven't got themselves together quick enough, you have the game won. You know, it's as simple as that. If you're not coordinated enough, you have the game run. So I would say from the Capture the Flag games that I've played, uh, we have won the majority of them because the other sides were not coordinating well enough. And we have had some really close matches that have gone on for quite some time that were epic because the other sides were very well coordinated and they gave us a run for our money. And often, occasionally, you know, they would kick our backsides at it too. And so, yeah, I would say it's not... Anywhere near 50-50. I reckon 70-30 with 30% of your opposition not being... Sorry, 70% of your your opposition not being organised at all uh, at the moment. But as the time goes on, that is definitely going to improve. And um, if we have anything to do with it, we're going to hopefully encourage more and more of the people that haven't tried it to join teams and to team up and to get talking to each other because that's what makes it special. Okay. Right, well, we haven't got much time left, so um, I think most of the discussion is over. I wanted to remind uh, listeners that, uh, who, well, some Lave Radio people are going to EGX. So Ben's going to be there Thursday and Friday in the evening, Saturday and Sunday all day. Lisa will be there on Saturday, and Crash, of course, will be there Saturday and Sunday. Uh, that's next week, so if anyone has any questions that they want them to ask, you know, if you can't make it yourself then, you know, send us a, a Twitter or a Facebook or an email and um, the guys will collate them all and, and put them to the different panels. Um, and I guess we should put some shout-outs to people who've taken the time to come and see us in-game. Uh, as I said, I was in the, um, the normal version of the game, hanging outside Lave, uh, Lave Station. 
So only a few people turned up. I take it a lot of people are still playing beta. So uh, hello to Hawkus Alpha, who uh, I talked about earlier. Uh, Commander Caretaker, Commander Ranger 1991, Commander Gog 22G Mac, Commander Freedom with a PH, and Commander Akira. So you guys got any shout-outs? Well, yeah. I mean, one, one thing I wanted to shout out, I put it in the, in the notes. I don't know if you covered the fact that the code are running a Robin Hood. Oh. Event? Yeah, sorry. I opened up the tab and I forgot about it. Yeah. So, do you want to kind of elaborate on what Robin Hood 2.0 is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is in celebration of the 40% uh, off the price, although is it still 40% on Steam for the Elite Dangerous? They're expecting an influx of new pilots. And it's part recruitment, part code cuddling, it's part code being a bit more community minded. They are going to rob us all blind. <laughs> are going to step up their pirating activities in all the core sectors. So beware, pilots, the code are in force in the cores around the... Sorry, I say core, and that means something completely different. In the main towns, you know, in Lave, around the sort of central area, Saul, etc., there's going to be an increase in code activity. They want your stuff, and they're going to go and hunt down noob players, new players, in their sidewinders, in their small ships with their low ratings, and they're going to drop it off Give them some advice. Give them some tuition on how to fly. Also, they're going to try and help them become good pirates and more than likely sign them up to the code cult. Um, I didn't say cult. Um, I did say cult, I'm sorry. But yes, they want to sign them up to code. But it's going to be quite interesting to see it. So if you want to go and donate your belongings, I saw that one of the questions asked on their Reddit thread was someone saying, uh, I can support this, where do I go to get pirated? And they, <laughs> their answer was, we only accept donations from unwilling participants. <laughs> Which is great. So expect some serious code uh, roleplay going on in the next couple of days, leading up to, of course... Uh, Thursday night CQC and on the 3rd of October in Wolf 365 the massive code versus Hutton Orbital Truckers War and make sure you have a look at the Hutton Orbital website for that as well and we'll try and keep up to date with various information but yes I've got shoutouts as well on the Twitch stream if you want to go through them we have oh tons of people here we have a good 37 we have Axrak Bambi72 Basil D. Britt Burkus, Black Sheep Kitty, C.G. Reynolds, Commander Azrion, Azirun, Bapsta, Ignatius I. Riley, Commander McLaren, Knut, Disruptive TV, Gary2, Gimsec, Icefire122, Jim the Guru, Cano Magnus, Karel Vel- Veliki, Nobkins, that's a good name, Freedom1, <laughs> Pyre, Pyre the Dirtbag, course it is rascal on 42 red week sessi rhetoric sentian sentinel shadow spawn sir samuel vimes sneevis stephen usher taru's telchin to u and x pain x that's us yeah, well, in, in the live chat, we've got the. Uh, I think we can we can describe them as all as the usual regulars, really. Um, we've got uh, Penguin, Achimbaust, Commander Bapster, Commander Highbite, Commander Icefire, Commander Payne, Commander Tia Time, or uh, Foz. That's Tea Time, isn't it? Oh, don't don't, no, don't split no. it up. It's oh. t- if you read French, it's uh, Tia to me. Oh, okay, oh, that's sorry, how you pronounce yeah. it. He's an, he's an assassin who kills anyone who calls him tea time. 
Oh, I'm in trouble then. It's just about <laughs> I've docked at Leave Station. <laughs> Gimli, Goose4291, Grand Solo, uh, Mangle, Mark Dis, Nuked, with a 3 instead of an E, Nilesen, Ripped, and Sneevis. I like the Good fact stuff. you stumbled and nearly read out your own name. <laughs> I did. I did. I was going, who's this finished to fire twad? Cool. Uh, just a reminder, the Golden Joysticks Awards are still going on. Like, does anyone actually know what the closing date on these things are? Um, no, because it's not published anywhere on their website, or on oh. their Twitter, or on their Facebook. They haven't given any indication of what the voting uh, period is for this. Oh, okay. Huge so, um, the, there might not be a rush, but if you haven't, you can go and vote for Elite Dangerous and Frontier, because they're uh, nominated in four car- categories. Uh, and Chaos also, Reborn, yes, and Chaos Reborn is also uh, up for an indie award, um, uh, but it's got some stiff competition. I think we said this last week. I mean, I, it's up against um, uh, that Invisible Ink, which you love, Chris. I'm playing it right now. Yeah, and also uh, what's what's the the Kerbal Space as well? Program, so, yeah, yeah. I think if so anybody, sorry, if anybody wants to kind of hear a good rundown of it, if they listen to last week's episode. It gives a, a real good discussion on all the categories and the various different uh, games that are in there. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, well, I'm going to wrap it up then, so a few minutes early. That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us, info at laveradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash laveradio, and at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding fozza 101 to your Skype contacts. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come and hang out and chat all hours of the day. You know, we have Americans, we have British, all over the world. Uh, That's laveradio.teamspeak3.com. And so just a reminder, Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half eight. So if you joined us halfway through, that's the time we start. Uh, And you can find it on laveradio.com forward slash live. So thanks to Chris... Jarvis for joining us at the last minute thanks to Colin thanks to Grant, thanks to Ben even though he's disappeared because of technical difficulties and thank you to Fozza for being uh, host for all of 10 minutes Um, thanks very much guys so until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous
damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fork for two seconds. I'll be right back. I could murder a cup of tea. Yorkshire gold, if you have it. Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy.